I know people think that men are not good at reading instruction manuals. Right. Um, we should probably do better as men. And, and uh, that's very true. But if you ever get stumped on something, the best place to go is to the instruction manual. And so I have, I have discovered in my lifetime that there is no better instruction manual on how to pray than the scripture, because there are, there's record of people praying in the scripture, like Jabez, Jabez prayed. And this is the prayer that he prayed. You read through the Psalms, David prayed, and this is the song that he sung. This was the prayer that he prayed. So I have found one of the most powerful um, tools of prayer for me is taking the word of God and lifting it before the throne of God. So I'm returning his word, Lord, your word says, and using that as the power of prayer, your word says that I can have perfect peace. Your word says, and lifting that before the throne of God. So the word teaches us how to, how to pray. And so lifting that word back before his presence is so powerful. Welcome to the Almost Apostolic Podcast. I'm your host, Anissa, and this podcast is designed to share the backstories and testimonies of beautiful ministry-minded people. I hope you laugh, and I hope you learn that we are all striving for perfection in an imperfect world as people of faith. So join me every other week as I interview a few familiar folks and hopefully some you may not know. My guest host today is Pastor Luke St. Clair, who pastors First Pentecostal Church in Anderson, Indiana. Um, he's a pastor, husband, father of three beautiful daughters, and interestingly enough, a pilot. Yes. So let's talk about that for a second. Yeah. When, when did you fall in love with airplanes? So I fell in love with airplanes uh, as a little boy, used to um, fly out of this little grass runway in Anderson with my grandfather, brother R.B. Bingham, who was a pastor and a pilot. And uh, I got bit by the bug as a little kid, probably four or five years old, and um, started flying myself in uh, 2009. And uh, it is absolutely an amazing thing. I love aviation. I'm currently working on my uh, flight instructor rating so that I can teach aviation. So, awesome. yeah. Will you teach me how to fly? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Great. <laughs> okay, so are you an author recently? Is this your first book? It is my first book. Okay, I want yes. you to talk to us about your very first book. Okay, cool. So, um, I have a, a new book that's coming out um, this next week. So, this is the first public announcement at all. Uh, my publisher may kill me when it, oh. when this comes out, but... Um, <laughs> I'm publishing through truthbook.co, um, which is owned by Jordan Fry, and um, he is the youth pastor of our church. And uh, some of you may have seen him on Instagram with Truthbook Kids. He started publishing some kids' books that are amazing. And uh, so the Lord started dealing with me about this book uh, that I wrote. The book's called The Whole Man, and uh, it's been a long time coming. Um, I have prayed with a, a prayer book literally since I was a kid, my mom made my first prayer book for me and it kind of kept me focused and praying in order. You know, I've always kind of prayed a tabernacle type plan, start at the, the, the gates with Thanksgiving and just courts with praise and 
ultimately we, we want to end up in the Holy of Holies. Um, but right in the middle of my prayer, uh, which I talk about this in the book, right in the middle of my prayer book, there is a, a graph that I pray that is a, it's an outline of a body. And so I basically start with my mind and pray all the way to my feet, praying the word of God. And uh, so I have felt for years to write the book and never did it. And uh, over the holidays this year, I was walking through my house from like one living room into the den area. And I heard the Lord speak the words to me, the whole man. And then I immediately saw the diagram from my personal prayer book. And I knew then it was time. So in the time that I had kind of slow time during the holidays, man, I tackled the project. And so here we are um, going into the second week of February and the whole man is literally on the way. So I'm extremely excited. So you came up with this concept in, well, you said you've had it since about childhood. It's always been a part yes. of you. So when you say you pray the tabernacle plan, yeah. what exactly do you mean? If you could give us a short Yeah, version. absolutely. So the tabernacle is extremely powerful for us um, because it was, the tabernacle pattern was in heaven before it was on earth. So when Jesus, when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, right? His concept was um, that kingdom come, that will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Well, this in earth as it is in heaven concept is not new to the Lord's prayer. It actually started in Genesis as he's making things on earth as they were in heaven. And so the tabernacle that the Lord gave Moses started in heaven. So there, there was a tabernacle in heaven that became the tabernacle on earth, uh, or the plan became the tabernacle plan on earth. And so um, the tabernacle is such a cool way to pray because for the, the people in the wilderness, uh, the children of Israel in the wilderness, it was God's chosen pattern to approaching his presence. And that's why it's still good for us today because there is a process by which we go through things. So... Um, I pray that I pray that tabernacle plan. Um, and there's, a, there's so much information out there. You know, Brother Anthony Mangan is big on tabernacle prayer. His dad, Bishop G.A. Mangan. Um, there was a, a South Korean pastor. He pastored the world's largest church at one time, um, uh, Yonggi Cho. And he was big on tabernacle prayer. But for me, it, it was just something that got a hold of me as a young, a young man to keep me structured and ordered. And so you can see it um, mentions of it throughout the scripture when you don't really understand the context of what they're saying. For instance, like David saying, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. What's he talking about? He's talking about tabernacle. So there's, there's only one gate, right? Um, which is powerful for us as oneness people because Jesus said, I am the door. So you're, as you're praying, you're praying the word, you're praying the tabernacle, you're praying the Godhead, you're praying all this. It's insane. So you come to the gate. The gate was a difficult place to come to because just as soon as you step inside the gate, which we come to with praise and thanksgiving, just inside the gate is the first piece of furniture, which was the altar of sacrifice. Well, that was a place of death. So as you're bringing an animal to the gate with thanksgiving, the first thing's going to happen, you're fighting this animal to get it in because there's death right inside the door. Well, for us, death is repentance. This is where I crucify my flesh with the affections and lust of the world. Lay it on the altar. Ask God to burn it out of me, purge it. 
And then we moved straight to that next piece of furniture, the lever, which was for washing and reflecting. Um, and then you've got the five posts that go into the holy place. And I'm giving like the fast forward version here, obviously. But um, people say there's no way I could pray an hour. There's no way I could pray two hours. You know, I, Bishop Holmes prays hours a day. There's no way I could pray like that. You can. You really can. Because as you come to those five posts that move into the holy place, you would think at first glance, well, it's just five posts. What is that? Well, as you're praying spiritually, you can see the context of, of all this. That what if those five posts represented Isaiah 9 and 6? That his name shall be called Wonderful, mm -hmm. Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The five pillars of identity. So as I'm passing into his presence, I have to pass through him, his identity, so to speak. So it's, it's a powerful concept and you, you end up in the Holy of Holies where your petitions are made known and it's, you, you've been forgiven, you've been washed, you've been cleansed, you've been crucified and now you're ready to, to be offered in his presence. So it's a, it's a very cool concept. Yeah. My mom used to teach Sunday school and she did the child version of that. Yeah. And so she would spend about like five minutes in every corner. We would go to like Love a different it. corner of the classroom and she'd be like, okay, we're going to start with praise because you can't, you know, talk yeah. to a person without a salutation, without saying like, <laughs> hey, how are you? You know, so we're saying, hey, Jesus, hey, Jesus. And so we'd all be like, hey, you know, and then we're moving over to Thanksgiving. Thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for the multiple options of clothes. Thank you for the food and thank you for this. And so we'd spend five minutes there. And she broke it up into like a series, but basically we spent five minutes at every station. And she was like, and you know what? The more you fall in love with Jesus, the longer these are going to get. Praise doesn't just have to Ooh, be five it. minutes. Praise yeah. can be, you know, an hour once you start thinking about, you know, your life and what you're praising him for. And so it really got instilled in me. Those so you actions. still think about it when you pray now? I do. Yeah. I really do. I'm a part of the 15% of people. It's like some kind of weird alpha thing, but I like to pray early in the morning, like very first thing. And I'm so serious because what if you only received what you thanked God for yesterday? Mm, so I'm like, Jesus, thank you for every, yeah. every little thing I can think of. And not just to waste time. I'm like genuinely grateful for it because when you don't have those things, I mean, you just, it, falls the opposite way. You just don't know. And yeah. so, um, I do start like that and inevitably I just, I kind of just get lost. And now of course, being in my thirties and in church all my life, it just kind of flows. And then where I end it with praise, I'm like, thank you, Lord, that you heard me. Thank you that these things are already done. And it's just a season of gratitude. And I feel like I closed the bow like nicely, but, um, not a lot of people know like each step and how to really operate in those, especially like the more complicated ones like intercession. Yeah. How can I pray for someone? Do I pray as someone else? Do I pray for someone else on their behalf? It just, it kind of can get a little complicated. And yeah. I'm sure you touch on that like yeah. in your book. So that's kind of the purpose. The whole purpose of the book is that prayer is the most underutilized power that we have. And I think one of the biggest things that inhibit people from their praying is lack of understanding of how to, you know, I've had people tell me so many times through the years, I would love to pray, but I don't know how to pray. And so, um, I know people think that men are not good at reading instruction manuals. Um, we should probably do better as men. And, and, uh, that's very true. But if you ever get stumped on something, the best place to go is to the instruction manual. And so I have, I have discovered in my lifetime that there is no better instruction manual on how to pray than the scripture. 
because there are there's record of people praying in the scripture like Jabez Jabez prayed and this is the prayer that he prayed you read through the Psalms David prayed and, and this is the song that he sung this was the prayer that he prayed so I have found one of the most powerful um, tools of prayer for me is taking the word of God and lifting it before the throne of God. So I'm returning his word, Lord, your word says, and using that as the power of prayer, your word says that I can have perfect peace. Your word says, and lifting that before the throne of God. So the word teaches us how to, how to pray. And so lifting that word back before his presence is so powerful. Let's break it down. Yeah. Because I want to know what your opinion is on why you think people don't pray or pray as often as they should. Sure. Um, the first answer is probably going to sound a, a little bit mean, and I don't, I don't mean it to be that we way. We like that here. But the the number one thing that keeps people from praying is the lack of discipline to do it, regardless of what they say. But you know, life is. Um, life has a lot of things in it that may be considered unfair to people, you know, how you got your start, where you got your start. But there's one thing that none of us can argue about. That's exactly the same for every single one of us. And that's 24 hours in a day. So poor time management, which is why I love the fact that you pray first thing in the morning, because God is a God of first. He deserves first. And that's what like even tithing is about is that it's, first. He doesn't want 10%. He wants the first 10%. So, um, praying first is like, there's less distractions. There's less things on your mind. And most people that they save prayer for like the end of the day. And so they work hard all day. They come home all day, uh, come home after working hard all day and they're dragging and they're exhausted and they lay down at night and that thought comes to their mind, oh no, I forgot to pray today. Well, if, if he's first, then like you can't forget. Right. So I, I really do think that a lot of it has to do with a lack of, of the discipline to do it. As, as Bishop says, I grab myself by the nap of the neck and drag myself to, to pray. And it, it never gets easy. You're never spiritual, so spiritual that praying and crucifying your flesh becomes easy. But I would say that the second thing beyond time, in my opinion, which my book is not going to help anybody with time management. When we get into the, the prayer closet, you've got past the, the hard part of getting there. Now, what do I say? And, and so, um, again, it probably sounds mean, but you know, you hear these people, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Why are, they, why are they doing that? Well, it's, it's ignorance because we don't know what to pray. And before we jump on people and say, how could you be so stupid and not know how to pray? Like Jesus' disciples asked him to teach us to pray. So having a desire to want to learn how to pray doesn't make you a fool and it doesn't make you some, some ignorant moron. It makes you a human being that wants conversation with the master. Like you want fellowship with God. You want communion with him. We were created for that communion. You, do you, you realize that in creation for five days, everything God created, he created 
with his voice. God said, let there be, and there was. Until the sixth day when he created man, and the Bible said he formed man. We weren't created by the word of God. We were created by the touch of God. And then he breathed life into us. And so that's why we were literally created by being touched by him. And that's why you'll never be happy in your life if you're not touched by him. You have to live your life. He said, Jesus said he came to seek and save that which was lost. And people say, that, well, yeah, that's the lost people. He knew where lost people was. He didn't lose people. What was lost was what was lost in the garden. He came to seek and save what was lost in the garden, that touch again. And that's where the enemy fought. Adam and Eve was in the garden. The garden was a place where he came to meet them, right? So that's why we're fought in our prayer lives because we're fought where we come to meet him. When you come to that place, you've got past your flesh, you've broke down your flesh. Now I'm here to pray. And you get this flesh crying out again to say, but what do I say? I don't even know where to start. So we start the juvenile. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank, thank, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I, I think this is the power of a structured prayer life is that the more you do it, the easier it gets. It's like lifting weights. Yeah. So like there comes a day that your warm up weight used to be your max weight. And so when you start praying for 30 minutes and then you're praying an hour and then you're like, it, it doesn't get easier to get there, but once you get there, you're, you're locked in. And I also think that people don't realize that it's not, there's no speed when it comes no. to prayer. I used to feel like I had to say all these words and be super eloquent and it has <laughs> to be a soliloquy unto the Lord, but I really slowed down. And I'm just like, and I Amazing. try to find something new. I'm like, yeah. okay, I thanked him for my car. Now I'm thanking him for the heat in my car or the air in my car. And just like the little intricacies of life because they are exceptional. Everyone, I'm like a detail girl. So yeah. I'm like, I'm into the details <laughs> of every little thing. And so I'm like truly grateful and thankful. And it doesn't have to be just some like long, just rolled out thing. I'm just like, Lord. I, it's, probably, it's not stupid, but it's just, my, no, it's, it's not. not embarrassing either. I don't know what it is, but when I begin my prayer, I come up here in the morning before work and I literally start with, Lord, thank you for February 12th, 2024. I love it. Thank you that I have whatever, you know, thank Well, you. somebody didn't wake up on February 12th. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I am just like, this day is yours. Everything I want to do is all for you. Help me to be a representative in that classroom, whether it's, you know, teaching or flipping tables. I want yeah. to represent you. <laughs> I love it. So um, it's just, it can be slow because it can be intentional. Our prayers are all written and recorded. So, I mean, how much of it is the same thing? How much of it is, um, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it yeah. just especially people that claim the wholehearted truth and like they walk in the apostolic lifestyle, there should be no reason for such repetition in my opinion. Yeah. I just, I mean, I really don't know and I can't speak for others, but I would just, I really just like to slow down because I like to talk to Jesus, how I would talk to a human being. That's Absolutely. no distractions, nothing, but just me and him. And I like it to be a dialogue and not just, 
Laura, do this for me. And if you could do this, and if you could throw this in there. Okay, great. Thanks. Bye. And just yeah. leave. Nobody really spends time in that meditation period where it's like, Lord, what do you want to tell me now? I feel like, I mean, I don't know how other people pray, <laughs> but I just feel like everyone just gets up and they just leave. And yeah. I'm just like, wait, what if the Lord wanted to say something back? Or what if he had something for you? And it's just kind of like, we're so rushed I yeah. think just in general as a people we're all just kind of it's a weird rat race that we just voluntarily accept and it's just like it doesn't have to be true. so strenuous i don't know it just well, you know prayers prayer is ultimately about intimacy mm-hmm. i mean that's like that's the whole purpose is intimacy and communion with god and so do you remember the scripture where jesus said that in that day there would be many that came to me and said lord lord did we not cast out devils in your name? Did we not do miracles in your name? Right? So they're pointing to ministry for validation. We did ministry. Like we were successful in the things that we do. And Jesus said that, um, I'll look at them and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Why? I never knew you. Well, that word, no, is a word of intimacy. It's like when Adam knew Eve and Abraham knew Sarah, like we're adults, we know what that means. So Jesus said, I'm not going to be impressed with your ministry and let you into heaven. Matter of fact, he said, I consider it iniquity when you have worked ministry without intimacy. And so all of these people that have powerful ministries with no intimacy, it's iniquity. And I, th- I think we're missing it because we learn to rely on the gifting that we have rather than the intimacy that we lack. And that's, that's heavy to me. Why do you think the Lord allows like devils to be cast out and people to be healed through such imperfect people? Can I, can I answer a question by asking a question yeah. and then we'll talk about okay. it. <laughs> Why did water flow from a rock when Peter disobeyed God? Right. Yeah. It's the same concept. And this is what's scary is that Peter, or Peter, that Moses, when he smites the rock, he gets the same, literally the same exact results in direct disobedience that he was going to get in obedience. You follow me? Mm -hmm. The Lord says, speak to the rock. So he smites it and water comes out. So did the, did the water come out because he was gifted? Did the water come out because man, look at his ministry. That dude's got, that dude's got water flowing in his ministry. And we always point, we validate people's ministry by the signs that they have, but he got water in direct disobedience. And the reason is because God is a God of covenant and God is not going to neglect the people that he said that you'll be my people. I'll be your God. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be a shelter in the wilderness. I'm going to be water. You know, that rock was Christ Jesus. That's what Hebrews said. So that rock was Christ Jesus. The reason why God allows good things to happen through people like that is not because we're good. It's because he's good. And so we're not going to be forsaken because somebody else didn't do their deal. And so he allows devils to be cast out of people 
because those people were possessed with the devil, not because the person was good. But there's also a, there's also a really fine line that we we don't have time to dig into in this podcast. But um, you can rely so heavily on on the gifting that eventually God is going to say no to you when you're the one that's trying to do it. Because his disciples came to him really, really frustrated. And he said, look, this kind only goes out with prayer and fasting. So every now and then you're going to bump up against this kind, whatever this kind is. And this, this kind is going to be the one that like God's going to say, no, you haven't been intimate with me. You haven't been consecrated. You haven't been praying and fasting. So I'm not obligated to let this thing leave. I'm, I'm tired of making you look good. And that's the place I never want to be. I don't ever want God to lift his hands off of me and say no. And how sad is it that he had to say no because of like basic disciplines of prayer and fasting? He didn't say, I'm not letting these go out because you haven't fasted 40 days. He just said, you haven't been praying and fasting. So like, I'm done making you look good. And I think every ministry is going to come to that place where God's either going to say you're with me or I'm sick of making you look good. (laughs) Oh, that's scary. That's just like with the altar when they were just trying to do their own thing and carry it their own way. And the Lord allowed them to get to a certain place. But then the guy, what's his name, tried to touch it. Um, the guy that tried to touch the altar and he died immediately. Yes. Yeah, just, yeah. It's just like yeah. the, the Lord will allow. As a, like, yes, he yeah. will allow like ignorance. You know, it says that he winks at our ignorance. But there does come a time where you just have to like straighten up and get rid yeah. of it. And it's just. Have you ever noticed where Uzzah tried to stable the ark mm-hmm. in the scripture? Um, they came to the threshing floor, which was the place of separation. And the cart started shaking when they came to the place of separation. And that's honestly where a lot of leaders lose it is God starts shaking things, separation in their life. Cause that, that's that word consecration is separation. And that's where it got unstable. So as reached out, tried to put his hand on it and bring stability at the place of separation. And God said, sorry. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let you look good. Yeah. A lot of people lose the battle at separation because that's where God can bring the instability and they're trying to stay. But it's a new cart girl. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we talked about the tabernacle plan type of prayer. And to me, it's, I've always equated it to a clock. So it's just, it's not five minutes, but it's just like 12 parts. And so that just kind of helps me Mm -hmm. get around to it. But what I am new to is the concept that you are introducing to me now is the whole man. Yeah. And especially the mind, (laughs) because I am an overthinker. I am a perfectionist. I, I don't know if you do any type of Enneagram or personality tests or anything, but I am like type one military. Everything's black and white. There's no room for error. There's a reason the rules were in place. And I am 89 years old at heart. (laughs) So I go to bed at eight o'clock every night. I'm up at 4 a.m. every morning. There's just no other way. There's no room for like kicking it, you know, like spontaneity is kind of not my thing. That's what my friends are for dragging me out. But um, so I want to talk about the whole man and that type of prayer, but starting and specifically introducing me to like mindful prayers or mindful I don't know prayer. what you call it in your book, but go sure. about it. So um, first Thessalonians says that we are made of three parts, mind, body, spirit. That's the whole man using this diagram. For instance, um, I begin like in Isaiah 26 and three, 
where he said, thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so like, I'm not a name it, claim it, blab it, grab it person. That's not what I'm saying. But I believe that word and I believe that word's for me. And so I lift that to the Lord. And I said, Lord, your word says that you will keep my mind in perfect peace if it stayed on you, which then opens this door as I'm lifting the word before him. It opens this door. So I'm asking you this day, God, that you would give me the strength to keep my mind stayed on you. And so being stayed would be the opposite of being distracted, right? So now it's literally introducing concepts into the conversation of prayer. So how do I stay, keep my mind stayed? I lack distractions. So then I start praying, God, keep me from being distracted today. The greatest battle I'm going to fight all day is not a demon, a devil, a goblin. It's going to be my mind. And so if I can win the battle in my mind, then I can win the battle in the rest of this prayer meeting. Right? So that's how I, I kind of start with the mind, not to like give away the concept, the whole concept of the book, but it's like, we're missing opportunities by saying, I don't know how to pray, but we do. And we can, we can bring this together. And we usually lose that battle right there of I don't know how to pray in our mind. And so we start with the mind it's the top and, uh, it's a pretty powerful concept once you start start reading. But the, the mind is where we lose the battle, so that would also mean we can win the battle there. When it comes to prayers and keeping my, I'm literally, I feel like I'm giving away a lot of my prayer life and what I've been praying. But uh, recently I've asked the Lord to cover my mind in his healing blood. Like yeah. I truly just, there are some things that have, been overwhelming me and my thoughts. And I really just need the Lord to, I spiritually like gave him my mind. And I was like, I yeah. need you to pour your, and it sounds so crazy. Not Sometimes Pentecostals are people that like, don't really understand or like what on earth, but <laughs> yeah. like, Lord, I need you to submerge my mind because I, I've been like obsessing over this one thing. And I just so totally, it's not even relatively any of my business. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know why it keeps popping up so frequently and I'm trying to stay steady. I'm trying to stay in a one track, but I will literally be teaching in my classroom at the board. And then another thought about it pops up yeah. and I'm just adding to the pace of building <clears throat> in my mind. And I'm like, this is what I don't want. How yeah. can I silence distractions and just have a one track mind spiritually and throughout the day? So here's, here's where this book brings true power to that thought process is praying the whole man is this concept, which by the way, the, the whole point of this whole man thing is pleading the blood of Jesus from the top of my head, the soles of my feet. Um, but as we start looking at how interconnected the body is of the whole man, okay, so like you can kind of finish these verses as I go. So who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, stand his holy mountain? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, right? And David prays and he says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Why? Because it's all interconnected. So one part of your body, so to speak, of the whole man cannot be submitted to God while you're having no, no problem submitting other parts. So it's like, I don't, you may not have trouble with your hands, like doing things that are wrong. Like you, you may not have trouble of stealing money. 
but you have trouble with your mind. So it's like one part of you is more submitted than the other part. So the whole point of, of the whole man is let's get this whole thing submitted. If I can get my mind settled, I can get my heart settled. If I get my heart settled, I get my mouth settled. If I get my mouth settled, my hands are settled. It's like we're praying the whole man. We got to get this whole thing submitted to God in prayer because it, it'll one part will wander off on you while you're thinking you got one other thing fixed in your life. And so um, I'm almost scared to talk too much about it, but it's, it truly, it's a game changer when you realize the word has something to say about every aspect of your life. And as a child of God, you have a right to lift that word back to the throne of God over your life. You have a right. So I've worked that whole diagram. Mm -hmm. I start at the top of my head. I go to my eyes. The eyes are the gateway to the, to the heart. I will set no evil thing before my eyes. I work down the mouth obviously gets us all in trouble, right? The ears. And, and here's the reason why, because the things that I hear affect the way my mind works. The things I see affect the way my mind works. The, the way my mind works, you can go all the way to the bottom of the diagram, affect the place my feet go. If my mind's not submitted, then my feet's going to go somewhere it shouldn't go, right? So it's this concept. And I literally, every part of who I am, I pray that, that diagram. And that's, that's what the whole man book is. It's to help you pray that whoever picks this book up, they're going to start at the top of their head and they're going to work their way down. And then it's got a, a cool place like to journal as you're praying the word, you can journal in my book through. So you're building now your own prayer book. And it's a, it's a really cool concept because I don't just want you to pick it up and read it. I want it to become a part of who you are, carry it into your prayer closet, clear it, carry it into your prayer room. When you go to pray in the morning, carry it into the sanctuary with you. When you go slow down, pray the word. And as you're praying, you'll be directed by the spirit that once you start praying over your ears, God, help me hear your voice and help me know what voices not to hear. All of a sudden there's going to be voices that, that, you know, you've been listening to that you shouldn't listen to that. Now you can, you can pray against that. God, I'm please forgive me for listening to that. Please forgive me for watching that. Please forgive me. And it's just, um, it will take every excuse away for why people say there's no way I can pray. I, I don't know what to say. When when it, now you do. When it comes to like the voices and distractions and just like the enemy in general, I've mm -hmm. always been curious to know how much of like what goes down in our mind is just the other part of our mind, like reality and what's truly happening or what is the actual factual Beelzebub, devil, Satan himself. Everyone's like, the devil's trying to get me. The devil's on my back. The enemy's after me. How much of it is our actual minds and how much of it? Because biblically, mm -hmm. the devil, and I'm just, you know, this is the AJF version, but he's like, okay, wait, who are you? To one of the like men in the Bible. He was like, Peter, I know, Paul, I know. I know all these dudes because they've done a lot for yep. Jesus, but who are you? Like are he you? doesn't even know who it is. So for the devil, Satan, to actually know you, you have to be a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. So how much of it do we blame on the enemy and the Satan and all of these things? And how much of it is our actual, just our mind, our flesh, our just human nature that doesn't want to do certain things? That's our biggest battle. And and to be 100% honest with you, this is going to sound like a little, probably um, a little crude to some people, but I've said this for years and years and years in, in front of our church, 
preaching places. You know, I could leave this interview right now, go to a local liquor store, grab a fifth of whiskey, um, go find a woman, you know, run off on my wife, uh, go pull out on a country road somewhere out here in Arkansas, drink till I pass out. And sure, sure enough, um, if I had an adulterous affair, got pulled over for a DUI, some, somebody's going to say, man, that's so sad. The devil really destroyed Luke St. Clair's ministry. No, the devil didn't. The devil had nothing to do with that. That's me. Like the devil, the devil didn't drive my car to the liquor store. The devil didn't drive my car to that girl's house. The devil didn't, he didn't make the phone call. He didn't send no nasty text. That was me. You know, I think he gets a lot of credit for things that's really, that's, that was me. That was, that was my battle. His power so limited, you know, he, he doesn't know my thoughts. There's nowhere in the scripture that even indicates that he has access to my thoughts, but he does have access to what I say because that becomes public property. And when I say things that I'm struggling with in my mind in a negative context, God, I'm so sick of struggling with da, 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 da. Not, I'm not talking about it in a prayer closet. I don't believe he can hear me in my prayer closet. But I'm saying, when I'm sharing my frustrations with you, girl, I'm so sick of, of this. I'm so sick of that. I'm so, like, I'm giving him public domain on that. Then he's, he starts working on me, things that trigger my mind to cause me to struggle. But um, I don't believe that he has access to my thoughts. I've never believed that. And that's why I preached yesterday at FBC about praying in the spirit. Because then he, he don't even know what you're saying. When you start praying in the spirit, let the spirit intercede. So um, the last part of your book, how does it conclude? So the last part of my book, I come out of praying the whole man, which is, as I said earlier, pleading the blood. I'm covered in the blood and the word. And then before I'm ready to fight the battle of the day, I put on the whole armor of God. And so... That's kind of the last thing that I do, which covers me again from head to toe, but in armor. So now I'm ready to fight. So I've been crucified. I've been washed. I've been cleansed. I've been covered in the blood. Now I'm covered in the armor of God and I'm ready to fight the battle of the day. So I walk everybody through how I prayed the, the whole armor of God. And um, I'm so excited for people to get their hands on it. I'm excited to read it. Yeah, I'm pumped. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Yeah. It was very insightful. I'm glad we got a little sneak peek of the whole man. Yes, you're the first sneak peek. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Lord bless you. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Almost Apostolic. If you enjoyed yourself, please do us a favor and leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And until then, thank you for listening.